What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your questions, pray with them, and then hopefully respond in a way that is helpful for you in your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming a saint. The reality is this is your life and my life, our lives are really messy and there's not always going to be that easy fill in the blank Catholic answer to the different situations that we encounter in our life. And so the purpose of this show is, is for me to accompany you in encountering Jesus so that together we can hear Jesus give you advice that will help you in your walk to becoming the saint that God desires for you to be. I can't promise you that my advice will always be helpful because I'm imperfect. I am not infallible. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I can promise you that I will spend a lot of time praying with your questions and also looking up church documents, going deep in the scriptures, and having conversations with other theologians and experts in those particular fields. I will do that, but at the same time, I can still potentially give you advice that's not helpful. If that's the case, I want to encourage you and invite you to be free to reject my advice. However, if my advice is helpful to you, then I want to encourage you to lean into it a little bit more and allow the advice to stretch you so that you can uh, pick up your cross and, and carry your cross to, to Jerusalem in imitation of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If it's your first time listening, I want to encourage you to, to send me your comments, your questions, your critiques on today's show. You can send those to me via email at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. Also, you could rate us and review us on iTunes. This helps other people find out about the show. If the show's a gift to you, then potentially it could be a gift to them in their walk toward becoming a saint. On today's episode, we're going to talk about PCOS and the pill. We're also going to talk about qualifications for godparents. I know that's a real sticky issue. Man, I walk with so many people in that. And also, how to deal with loneliness. Lonely, I'm so lonely, have nobody. I'm on my own, my own, my own. I'm lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. Yeah. So anyways, those are our topics for today's show. And uh, before we get into those topics, let's jump into some glory stories. All right. So my first glory story, I have two. I have two glory stories this week. My first one happened on Saturday on the Memorial of Our Lady of Sorrows. So on Our Lady of Sorrows, my parish, Our Lady of the Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Santa Maria, Louisiana, Diocese of Baton Rouge. Shout out to my parishioners. Uh, we had a massive reparation uh, for the renewal and reformation of the Catholic Church, specifically with regards to the clergy abuse against uh, laity uh, and seminarians and other members of the body of Christ that they have offended throughout, throughout the years. And it was really beautiful. We started off with a mass and after mass. We exposed Jesus Christ on the altar for Eucharistic adoration from 9.30 a.m. until about um, 4 o'clock p.m. And so I stayed in the church the whole time to offer prayers and penance. And along with me were a number of laity from my parish who came. And we prayed a beautiful rosary for priests based on the sorrowful mysteries. We prayed uh, the chaplet of Our Lady of Sorrows. Uh, we, we also um, had silent time of prayers and penance on our knees before the Eucharist. Uh, along with, um, anyways, some other prayers that were said and prayed before the Divine Mercy Chapel was sung. It was just really beautiful, and, and it was so inspiring for me as a priest to see my, my, my brothers and sisters in my parish 
who I'm walking with and who I'm allowed to accompany in their walk to eternity, to, to watch them be so reverent with the Lord and, and offer penance by like kneeling down for a very long time before the Eucharist and offering up their suffering that they experienced as they offered up their prayers and penance for the conversion of the, the ongoing conversion of, of all members of the body of Christ in the church. It was super beautiful. And so my first glory story is that the laity inspired me to be holy. The laity inspired me to be a saint, and they, they challenged me by their witness, not just by their words, but when I watched them pray and when I watched them treat the Lord with such, man, they just they love Jesus so much, and they're so sensitive to offending him that it really inspires me to be more sensitive and more um, attuned to the Holy Spirit. Uh, yeah, so first glory story is I just love my people, and they have inspired me so much. So thank you to all my parishioners at Holy Rosary for being for just for modeling to me what discipleship looks like and a relationship with Christ, authentic relationship with Christ looks like. Also, second glory story is this. It's, it's actually quite, it's quite funny. So somebody hit me up this week and was like, hey, Father Josh, uh, there's this priest uh, who, who has this, this video and he's talking about, you know, priest and religious and blah, blah, blah. And at one point, um, he takes a shot at you. And I thought you should know, here's the link to the video. <laughs> just... Reminder, anybody that listens to podcasts, I don't need to hear when people don't like, like people that don't like me. I don't need to watch their videos or read their blogs like that. That's a distraction for me in my walk toward eternity. So uh, I'm grateful because the old me would have, you know, watched the video and then brooded over what this priest said. Um, but I, honestly, I was like, you know what, Lord, like this is a distraction from me being able to focus on you in prayer and focus on serving my people uh, in the body of Christ in my parish. And so I just got rid of that. Uh, that link. And the devil's way of working, though, uh, <laughs> I happened to be on YouTube the other day and a video popped up and I was like, oh, what's this video? And I watched it and it was the exact video that the person was talking about. So I ended up hearing the priest uh, take a jab at me and other religious and other priests and seminarians um, who he disagrees with our, our way of evangelizing. And it was a great reminder to me that uh, when I watched it, well, first of all, I was praising God because I didn't brood over it. And I was just like, whatever. Like, But it was a great reminder to me that every saint is not always going to understand the next saint. Like, We're all called to be saints and I walk toward eternity. But like, all the disciples were different and we're all different members of the body of Christ. And we all have different ways that the Lord is going to use us to reach people that that this other person can't reach. And so God's going to use me in a way that he's never going to use this other priest because God has given me gifts from the environment I grew up in, the culture I came from, and the ways in which I was formed in my seminary and my time with the Lord in, in prayer. He's going to use me in ways to help other people encounter his love and become saints. And I praise him for that, and I'm so okay with that. And he's going to use other people in ways that he's not going to use me, and I praise God for that. And so we can't get focused on on trying to to get every single saint to look alike. Like God does not want us all to look alike or talk the same or act the same or preach the same uh, or teach the same. The gospel is is the same, but we're going to have our own unique ways of of articulating the gospel to the unique communities that the Lord invites us to serve in. And and that's okay. And so uh I'm just I'm praising God that I didn't react by brooding, which of course, St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that love does not brood. And so um, I just I recognized that area of growth by God's grace alone uh, in my walk toward eternity, that I was able to pray for that priest. And um, and and I asked him if he listens to this podcast, like, hey, bro, 
Like you don't have to like me. You don't have to agree with my way of evangelizing. And it's cool. But if you could pray for me and fast for me, that'd be cool. And in the future, if you don't like the way that I evangelize, you know you can reach out to me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. That's my email. Hit me up. We can have a dialogue with each other. But making videos about people or writing blogs about people who you've never met typically isn't the best thing to do. That's not the way of Christ, right? Uh, God wants us to focus on him. And when we focus on him, we're going to hear him speak to us on how he wants for us to communicate his gospel to the people that we are walking with toward eternity. That's what he tried to get Peter to realize. In the Gospel of John, after Jesus Christ, um, after he died and resurrected from the dead, he came and he was talking to Peter. And he tells Peter how he's going to die. It's a pretty big deal. And then all of a sudden, Peter looks at John, another disciple. And he says, well, what about him, Lord? And, and Jesus says, don't worry about John. Like, don't worry about what I'm going to do with his life. And so I just want to encourage you, brother priest, whoever you are, like don't, like don't fix your eyes on what God is doing in other priests and religious and the ways in which he's using other priests and religious to draw people to encounter Jesus and to come back to the sacraments of the church and to become radical, intentional disciples of Christ and to become holy, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage you to spend your time focusing on that. I would encourage you to spend your time focusing on the face of Jesus in adoration and the scripture, which you probably do already, but to do it even more um, because that way he can continue to speak to you about what he wants you to do. You follow him. That's what Christ said to Peter. He said, you don't worry about John, you follow me. And so my encouragement, brother priest, is you follow Jesus. And, and don't worry about what other people are doing. Uh, all the disciples, again, did not understand each other. They argued sometimes. They didn't get along. And so we're not always going to understand why the Holy Spirit is doing particular things in each one of us. Right? They thought John the Baptist was crazy. And so um, we're not always going to understand why the Holy Spirit is going to call different saints to do different things to draw people to an authentic experience of um, the sacraments. But that's not for us to worry about. I think it's up for us to focus on Jesus. And so... What can we do? What can we do to um, be fixed on Jesus and not on each other? Well, I want to recommend uh, to you, my listeners, something that I try to do a lot, and that's pray the litany of humility. Now, that does not mean I'm humble in any way, shape, or form. I try to be humble, and I'm trying to grow in the virtue of humility, but I have a long way to go, as do most of us. And so the litany of humility is one of my most favorite prayers. It was... um. It was written by uh, Cardinal Mary Deval. He composed this prayer. He was the Secretary of State to St. Pius X, and he composed this prayer, Litany of Humility, many years ago. And so let's just pray this prayer right now for the glory story time. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And this is the long version, the extended version of the Litany of Humility. If you have my book, Broken and Blessed, an invitation to my generation, which is currently available to ascensionpress.com. It's on page 105. You can pray along with me. Oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like yours. From self-will, deliver me, O Lord. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, O Lord. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, O Lord. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, O Lord. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, O Lord. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, O Lord. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, O Lord. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, O Lord. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, O Lord. From the desire to be understood, deliver me, O Lord. From the desire to be visited, deliver me, O Lord. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, O Lord. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, O Lord. From the fear of suffering rebukes, 
Deliver me, O Lord, from the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, O Lord, from the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, O Lord, from the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, O Lord, from the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, O Lord, from the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, O Lord, from the fear of being abandoned. Deliver me, O Lord, from the fear of being refused. Deliver me, O Lord. That others may be loved more than I, Lord, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Lord, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Lord, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I go unnoticed, Lord, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything, Lord, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Lord, grant me the grace to desire it. At being unknown and poor, Lord, I want to rejoice. At being deprived of the natural perfections of body and mind, Lord, I want to rejoice. When people do not think of me, Lord, I want to rejoice. When they assign to me the meanest tasks, Lord, I want to rejoice. When they do not even deign to make use of me, Lord, I want to rejoice. When they never ask my opinion, Lord, I want to rejoice. When they leave me at the lowest place, Lord, I want to rejoice. When they blame me in season and out of season, Lord, I want to rejoice. Blessed are those who suffer persecution for justice's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. And so, in closing, before we get on with the rest of the show, just acknowledge again, I'm broken, I'm imperfect, I'm a sinner. And so I need to be purified in my walk toward eternity. And God purifies us um, through prayer, but also through each other. And so if I say things or if I evangelize in a way that isn't conducive for um, people and myself to become saints, for my sanctification, for the sanctification of the world, for the glory of God the Father, then, yeah, certainly, like, I want to encourage you to check me into um, to offer me your critique and your advice and your wisdom. Like, I, I receive that. Uh, but the way that we do that is not through gossiping and through writing blogs or making videos about other disciples and their walk toward eternity. So in the words of um, Taylor Swift, Tay-Tay, hate is going to hate, 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 but I'm just going to shake, 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 shake them off, shake them off. In the words of that old hip-hop song, shake them haters off, shake them haters off. Shake them haters off. And the words of the classic movie Friday by Felicia. So, uh, but in all seriousness, I'm just joking. And <laughs> all seriousness, I am a sinner. I can always be purified in my efforts. And so please pray for me and fast for me. And so shout out to that priest, whoever you are, wherever you're at. If you're listening to this, I want to encourage you and invite you to please pray for me and fast for me to become a saint. And I promise you, I will pray for you and fast for you this week for you to become a saint And if we never meet on this side of heaven, hopefully I will encounter you in the kingdom uh, of heaven for all eternity. And you and I can can worship God together there and also intercede for other brothers and sisters to join us in that place where I hope and pray we will go at the end of our lives. All right, before we get into today's topics, I have a follow up. I have some listener feedback. This comes from Audrey. Audrey says, hey, it's Audrey here again. I sent you a message a while ago regarding uh, the honeymoon dilemma. And I have to say that I almost fell running when I heard you say my name. 
And I'm sure you're going to bust out with some Destiny's Child right now because I just wrote that. Aha, ha, ha. What you talking about? Say my name, say my name. No one is around you. Say I love you. Yeah, I would. Yeah, you're right. Destiny's Child. I actually just saw. <laughs> Speaking of Destiny's Child, I just found that. Is it GIF or GIF or meme or whatever it is? Whenever they were performing a song many years ago, I think back in 2005, and it was Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle. And Michelle was walking and she tripped and fell. <laughs> and she fell. It was so funny. God bless her. She's actually super holy and she's a disciple and she's um, trying to be a saint. So God bless her. But it was funny. I've, I've fallen down before in front of people. One time I was in high school. And I, I wasn't looking, and I fell over a bench in front of everybody. And actually, one time when I was also in high school, I was riding my bike, and I saw this pretty girl down the street in the neighborhood, and I was looking at her. Like, I really wanted to get her attention. And so she was, like, looking at me by her car, and all of a sudden, like, the streets were, were not, um, they, I don't know what's the word, they were just all messed up. And they needed to be uh, redone. And so there was like a big crack in the street and uh, my bike flipped over right in front of her house as I was looking at her and I broke my collarbone. So uh, I'm with you, Michelle. I'm with you, uh, my sister in Christ. We all fall down. But the goal is to get back up again. We fall down, but we get up. Yep. Get back up again. Get back up again. All right. So. Back to Audrey, you asked me to elaborate on how we found out we were pregnant. In short, yep, those mythical honeymoon babies do exist. About three weeks after we got married, I really wasn't feeling right at all. I wasn't having good runs or lifting sessions, and I was starting to gain some weight. For several days at work, I was also a bit crampy. My stomach just wasn't right. I felt terribly lightheaded. I asked my boss if I could leave a little early to go to the after-hours clinic to check things out. I remember it like it was yesterday, being called back to the room. I told them what was up, and the NP, uh, nurse practitioner, shout out to all the nurse practitioners, said, are you pregnant? My response, nah, I just got married. Not possible. His response back, okay, can you give us a sample? I did as they asked, waited in the room, and then as he swung the door open, he said, congratulations. Father, I'm happy I was sitting down. The room started spinning. I felt like I was in a tunnel. I could barely hear anything he was saying. I said, wait, what? His response, girl, you pregnant. The room continued to spin, and then another nurse walked in, and she held my hand because I told her I thought I was going to pass out. They both asked me if the father was going to be upset, to which I got defensive and said, I told you, I just got married. Why would he be upset? I had a tornado of emotions pulsing through me. I burst into tears, not because I was sad, but because I was terrified. I was only 22. 22, ooh, ooh. Freshly married, we didn't have much money at all. I was straight up ugly crying the whole way home. Oh, that's the worst. We ugly cry. I ugly cried recently. It was a mess. I, I pulled into the driveway, pulled myself together, sort of, walked in the house, and my husband was sitting at our desk. I walked over, sat on his lap, burst into tears again, all while saying, We're pregnant. His response, hysterically laughing and hugging me. After I got over my shock, Though we figured we'd get pregnant on our honeymoon, uh, we went and got takeout, called close family, and embraced that moment. It was gorgeous. It was hard, but it was well worth it. So, Brad and Caitlin, I hope you said yes a few weeks ago, and if you need someone to talk to, I'm here. I have plenty of stories, both funny and serious, of how we made it work with our first baby. 
Awesome. Baby, baby, baby. Oh. So, thanks, Audrey. Shout out to you. All right, on to our first question. Our first question is about the pill. Evelyn writes this. I have PCOS, and my doctor put me on birth control for hormone therapy. Is this bad? I feel guilty, but I'm, if I'm not on it, I don't get the female hormones that I need. All right, Evelyn, that's a great, great question. So, I mean, as far as I know, the church does not see hormonal supplements as sinful if taken for a medical condition. Um, as long as, right, you're, you're not married and sexually active, right? Because if you are married and sexually active, that birth control, though you might see it as hormone therapy, um, it actually could kill um, your unborn child. So if you are married and sexually active, clearly that's what happens in marriage, um, I would definitely say no to birth control as a treatment for PCOS. Because also, even if you aren't married and you're single, or anything like that, and you have PCOS, and your doctor says, oh, we'll take birth control for hormone therapy. Here's the deal. There are serious, serious risks to your health whenever we use birth control. We, as in you, because I'm a guy, I can't use it. Like, what are some of the risks? Uh, breast cancer, blood clots, strokes. The list goes on. It's like those commercials where you see, like, those beautiful women running, and it's, like, talking about the medicine, and then after that, it gives you the side effects, and it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, if you take this pill, you can die. That's what happens with birth control. It is seriously not healthy for your body. Birth control only treats the symptoms of PCOS, but that is only a bandage. It's like a Band-Aid, and it doesn't address the underlying cause of the disease. It's a Band-Aid. Literally, it just treats the symptoms. And at the same time, it opens up the door for other illnesses to arise. For example, if you cut yourself and needed a Band-Aid, and I also recently, like literally just cut myself, and I had a Band-Aid on, right? I could give you my Band-Aid, and my Band-Aid would most definitely treat your symptom of bleeding. But what else would it do? It would introduce other germs into your system that could potentially be harmful for you. So what then do we do? Because if it goes untreated, PCOS can be a contributing factor to infertility, like it's a serious thing. And so rightfully so, we should want to treat it. The church cares about you. Evelyn, the church cares about all women. And it, the church cares about, she cares about your total well-being, mind, body, and soul. So the church supports a more natural approach to the treatment of PCOS that mainstream medicine does not practice. Napro technology. Google it. Napro technology. It's a medicine, medical science used by physicians. And, and Evelyn, it follows the teachings of the church to treat women with reproductive and gynecological abnormalities. Napro is it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's, it's, it's different in that it cooperates with your body's natural processes. Trusting that God's design in your body is one that should be respected. For instance, if your body's hormones are unbalanced, then it should be investigated and the cause treated opposed, as opposed to just treating the symptoms of the disease. Right? When you go to the doctor, you don't just want your symptoms to be treated. You want to take care of the actual issue, the underlying issue. Um, so I really want to encourage you to uh, not use birth control um, because though it may treat the, treat the symptoms, um, it is really harmful to you as a, as a person. It's introducing toxins into your body that can be very dangerous for you. And then if you're married um, and uh, clearly sexually active in the sacrament of marriage, uh, harmful for your child as well. 
So, what do y'all think? Do you have any additional advice for Evelyn? Write me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, our second question is about choosing godparents. Uh, this is a big, big, touchy issue. I hear this all the time. So, Erica writes this. Can my Catholic confirmed daughter, who's living with her boyfriend against the wishes of my husband and myself, be a godmother to my grandchild? Erica, great question. Okay, so, yeah, uh, this is, I'm going to be very black and white with this response. No, right? And But why? Why? See, this is what gets people a lot. Because people say, I love my sister, or I love my best friend, and my best friend is such a good person, or my cousin is such a good person. I want this person to be my child's godparent. What is a sacramental godparent, though, right? That's the question. A sacramental godparent isn't somebody that's really nice, right? It's not somebody that is just a good person or that really likes us a lot and really cares about my child. And if I die, he's going to take care of my child. That is not what a sacramental godparent is. A sacramental godparent is someone who is going to be a witness to Jesus Christ and his gospel that he founded 2,000 years ago. It's going to be a witness to Jesus and his church, the bride of Christ, not only in words, but in actions. And if somebody is shacking up, with somebody outside the sacrament of marriage that is not giving witness to Christ and the church that he founded 2,000 years ago. It's just simply not doing that. And so we can't get up there and say with our words at the baptism, at the rite of baptism, that we are totally in line with Jesus and his church and all the teachings, and, and then with our actions do something else, because that's called lying. That's what Judas did. Judas lied with his body. He gave Jesus a kiss in the Garden of Gethsemane, but that he was lying with his body. That kiss was meant to say, I'm your friend, but it was to betray him. And so we don't want to lie with our bodies. We don't want to lie with our actions. We want our words to meet our actions. I recently went to the baptism in the extraordinary form. One of my buddy priests did it for some of my friends. And it was really cool because the godparents were the ones who were the, the main, uh, they, they gave the response with the entire right. It was the godparents who were responding to the priest um, on behalf of the child, uh, with the child. And so it's really important that godparents recognize that this is not just something that you do for a close friend. Now, here's a distinction. Can somebody be a secular godparent, like what people call my pa ran or my nanny? Yeah, and that person does not have to be living in a state of grace. That person does not have to be um, living in union with Christ um, in the church. That person can be somebody, anybody, random, your best friend. Uh, and that person can be the person in your child's life who they're going to call nanny or papa or whatever they want to call them. But that is not a sacramental godparent. Sacramental godparent is the person that you are saying, I want this person to help raise my child in Jesus and in the teachings of Jesus that he has given to us through his church. That's what a sacramental godparent is. And so if your daughter stops living with her her boyfriend, then certainly, yes, she can be uh, a godparent because she would be, by her actions, showing that she wants to be a total disciple of Christ, and not only in her, her thoughts, but in her words and in her actions. She's witnessing to Jesus um, and his church. Uh, if she doesn't want to be a sacramental godparent, then she's going to probably continue to live with her boyfriend. And your, her other your other child, whoever it is, your son or your daughter, they can let her be called nanny or whatever she wants to be called. But for the sacrament, she's not the godparent um, in the eyes of Christ and the church because she's not living in union with Christ's teachings and the church, um, if that makes sense. So, so yeah, uh, distinction, sacramental godparent and your play godparent, whatever you want to call that. But sacramental godparents are people who are going to witness by their words and actions 
Jesus and the church he gave us. So what do y'all think? Do you have any additional advice for Erica? Write me at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that actually explains how to navigate it and make sense of it? A Bible that includes a detailed plan for how to read it with a page layout that's designed for study and personal devotion? Now for the first time ever, there is a Catholic Bible that does just that. A Bible that incorporates the same color-coded learning system that has proven so effective in the Great Adventure Studies. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most talented biblical scholars of our day, Mary Healy, Andrew Swafford, and Peter Williamson, to create the Great Adventure Catholic Bible. This Bible makes the complex simple as it guides you through the narrative woven throughout salvation history. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition, an elegant, accurate, and modern Catholic translation. The Great Adventure Catholic Bible is perfect for your personal devotion and Bible study, or as a gift for friends and family. If you want to understand sacred scripture and be transformed by the Word of God, then this is the Bible for you. Pick up your copy at ascensionpress.com. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes. Please do this. This helps other people find out about the show. All right, the last question is about loneliness, and it comes from Marie. Marie writes this, I have been struggling, struggling with loneliness since my freshman year of high school. I'm 21 now. I've never been good at making friends, and I've lost every single person I've considered a best friend. At some point in the friendship, it would always turn to me pushing my breaking point to keep them happy, and they only expected more. I would feel used and hurt, and then at some point, I had to back away. On top of that, my relationship with my parents is very strained. I still live with them. I don't live up to their standards, and I'm too Catholic for them. Almost every time we talk, I only hear about what I'm doing wrong, what I should be doing, or what I need to be doing in the future. They also have made fun of me for taking my faith as seriously as I do. The fact that I'm not dating, even though I really want to be, only makes the loneliness worse. I joined a young adult group at a local parish about a year ago and joined a women's study group at another parish maybe six months ago. I was hoping I would make some friends, but I still feel like the outsider of that group. No matter what I do, it has become the first thing I think about when I wake up and the last thing I think about when I go to sleep. It has become a deep ache that I can physically feel all over my body. I've been praying to God about all of this for a long time, and I've been asking for a good friend, but it almost feels like God has forgotten about me. What do you think I should do? Marie, God bless you. Yes, I've been praying for you a lot, and I'm just going to share with you the fruit of my prayer for you. First of all, I was reminded while I was praying for you the writings of the lay mystic Gabrielle Bosis. She has this book called He and I. It is an excellent book I would recommend to everybody or anybody. Um, and in this book, she writes down her different conversations that her and Jesus would have. And one of the conversations that she had with Jesus, he said to her, who is your God? Me or you? And she said, of course, you're my God. And Jesus said, well, then why do you think about yourself more than you think about me? Whoa, that's powerful, Marie. I really want to encourage you to meditate on that, those words, those alleged words of Jesus to Gabrielle Bosis. 
why do you think about your friends more than thinking about Jesus? Because see, Jesus wants to be the first person you think about when you wake up, and he wants to be the last person that you think about before you go to bed. Jesus. The, the scripture that came to my heart when I was praying for you was Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of, of heaven. Uh, Marie, I, to be poor in spirit means that you hold on to no thing or no one. That Jesus Christ is sufficient. God is enough for you. God must have his proper place in your heart. I say if you are in, in my prayer, like you're in a classroom right now, and there's like the teacher's desk, and then there's a bunch of classroom chairs. Uh, right now, you have friendship in the, the chair of the teacher, and God is in the classroom, but he's in one of the classmates' chairs. He wants to be in the teacher's chair. Like he has to have his proper place. And when he has his proper place, then what is best for you will unfold in your life, whether that's having really good friends or, or, or not having so good friends. I mean, and friendship is an awesome thing. It's a great gift for uh, all of us. However, we don't ever want to grasp at that, like because the best friendship that we can be in relationship with is with Jesus himself. Jesus himself wants to be in a deep friendship with you, and he wants to be the one that you think about, that you dream about, and that you ponder about all day long, like Jesus. So I really want to encourage you to spend more time with him. Like, loneliness is a real thing, and it's not just for people who are single or people who don't have the best of friends. Priests can be lonely. Religious sisters who live in community are lonely. Married couples who have uh, five kids and each other are also lonely. Right, loneliness is a real thing for all of us, but it's what we do with it that matters. And so I think that God might be inviting you in this loneliness to go and spend more time with him. Spend more intentional time with him in prayer and then get out of yourself and serve other people who are suffering and homeless shelters and women's shelters and sex trafficking homes. Um, go serve other people in your community. But also, you're not alone. Like different saints throughout salvation history also struggle with loneliness. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, years ago I read about, it was either St. Faustina or a priest that she was in communication with. I think it was St. Faustina, though, who wrote, like, one day she was in her cell, and the other sisters never even came and visited her, and how it, it really hurt her. Um, and then Jesus, then, when she related that to Jesus, he allowed her to see that, like, whoa, like, he was also in there with her, you know? So uh, just shout out to St. Faustina, or it could have been the priest who was in his cell and no one came to visit him, but I think it was St. Faustina. But if you've ever felt like that, man, like I'm, I'm doing all this stuff and people are, are talking to each other, they're texting each other. I go to this Bible study group and they all seem to be really close and not me or I get plugged into this young adult group in my parish and they seem to have their, their cliques and circles. Then continue to make an effort to go out of yourself, you know, right? Um, and, and hang out with them and, and whatever, but to prioritize more time with Jesus, and Jesus will give you what is best for you, um, right? I also want to encourage you to get a counselor um, because I think counseling is just healthy. I think the most healthy people have counselors. And so if you can maybe talk to a, a licensed counselor about some of your struggles with friendships, they could also be of great help for you. There's a few books I'd recommend too. The Feast of Friendship is a great book. Uh, that is a really good book that I'd recommend. There's another good book on friendship that I'm, I cannot think about the name, but maybe I'll mention it in the next show, but The Feast of Friendship is a really good book, and that could help you with regard to like just some practicals about how to be a good friend and how to cultivate healthy friendships uh, in your walk toward eternity. All right, so hopefully that was helpful, Marie. Uh, that brings us to the end of today's show. Regardless of what your circumstances are, here are some things I think everyone can take away from today's questions. Universal point about the pill it's, it's just not healthy. I'm sorry. Like There are, are much more healthier ways to address um, issues that go on in, in the body. A universal point about being a godparent, remember, it's not about picking somebody who's nice, somebody that we really like. It's about pick, 
inviting someone who is willing to be a witness, a radical witness of Jesus Christ um, and his teachings that are difficult in his church and not just the ones that we like, but all of his teachings. And what universal point about loneliness is that everybody gets lonely at times. The Pope gets lonely, bishops get lonely, priests get lonely, religious get lonely, married couples get lonely, single people get lonely. The goal is to always take that loneliness and invite Christ into that loneliness, spend more time with Jesus in prayer, and then imitate Jesus, who we spend time with in prayer, and go and serve other people who are hurting in our world. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, for our prayer today, we're going to recite the words of Audrey Asad's song, I Shall Not Want. From the love of my own comfort, from the fear of having nothing, from a life of worldly passions, deliver me, O God. From the need to be understood and from a need to be accepted, from the fear of being lonely, deliver me, O God. I shall not want, no, I shall not want. When I taste your goodness, I shall not want. When I taste your goodness, I shall not want. From the fear of serving others, from the fear of death or trial, and from the fear of humility, deliver me, O Lord. Yes, deliver me, O God, and I shall not want. No, I shall not want. When I taste your goodness, I shall not want. No, I shall not want. No, I shall not want. When I taste your goodness, I shall not want. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. That wraps up today's show. I can't wait to be with you again next week. Hit me up with your questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. And please don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats so that other people can find out about the show and it can potentially help them in their walk and your walk and my walk toward eternity. 